With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. It is July 26, 2021, and this is Atlanta United FC Weekly, a home before dark podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I am him, Turb. As always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Kevin Mr. Broadley. <laughs> Kevin Broadley. How's it going, Dan? I'm doing good, thanks. <laughs> A little callback there. I did not tweet this out. I was saying before we started recording, I was terrified to set this up and take the reins without our fearless leader uh, running the show. The man behind the curtain, Mr. Tim Herb himself, is not with us tonight. I don't know the rules. I don't know what I can say or can't say. All I'm going to say is he's not here, and I'd like to raise a glass. You guys figure it out. (laughs) Cheers to that, man. Cheers to that. Yeah, I don't know what I can or can't say either, so I'm just not going to say anything. Yeah. Yeah, you guys figure it out. You guys figure it out. So, uh, yeah, however you're finding us tonight, thank you so much. Uh, if it's on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. Smash that bell icon to get a notification whenever we go live each and every episode. I'm assuming we're live. Again, I have no idea. I'm going to try to view on YouTube and make sure it's working. Yes, it is working. Perfect. So that's all I care about. I don't care if anybody tunes in or not, as long as it's working. I didn't tweet it out because <laughs> I didn't want to fail and everybody didn't know that I failed. So here we that's are. That's all right. Here we um, are. Is there anybody in the trap? I don't see any comments. <laughs> that's what I said. I think I messed something up, man. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm oh, doing. Oh, Brittany, yes, of course it's Brittany. Yes. <laughs> of course. She says she didn't get a notification, which is bizarre. So what I'm going to do is, while we're here, I'm going to go ahead and tweet it out. That way, everybody knows, even though they didn't get a notification. That's so bizarre, Brittany. So sorry. Um Oh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for putting up with us. Dan, yep. how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I actually attended the game this time. Oh, you it did? Was the first, it was the first game I've been to uh, since the pandemic. So um, it was it was great to be out there. You know, they'd opened it up. Apparently the 67,000 people there, but I think it was a more around about 40. Yeah, uh, I, I'm them, not buying the numbers, man. I'm not buying it at all. Yeah, no, most of them were just hangovers from uh, Kanye. Like Kanye was there though. So, so I heard with this, with the with the stocking Stuck over on his, his face, head. right? There is so like something bizarre. out of Batman. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird that <laughs> whole that whole thing that it's he's spending his time there building and you know recording an album. I don't know. Yeah. Is it? I he's mean, living there. I saw that today. That he's living in the stadium until he gets done with it. 
It's very strange. I just like if I'm I imagine if I'm going to record an album, I'd want to go somewhere uh, more inspirational rather than just like watch a bunch of losing teams. Corporate stadium. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can imagine like you can get hype from the fan base. I don't know. I just don't think sports and music go very well, like from a creative standpoint. I mean, I like exercising and listening to music, but that's about it. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of getting hype and uh, getting motivation from a crowd, so to speak, looks like everyone finally got their notification. A lot of familiar faces in the trap tonight. Brittany S., who we already mentioned. Will Balron, Designing with Less, Patrick Keenum, uh, Kendrick Brock, Percy Herrera. Who else we got here? Michelle, good to see you. Yeah. Got Will Balron in there, too. Kendrick. Yeah. Will Balron. And then uh, designing with less. Oops. I said both of those. Were you not listening the entire time I was talking? What'd you say? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I I know I'm a terrible (laughs) co-host. Well, I think I think it was Kendrick who said we got the drinking we got the drinking crew here tonight. So oh I oh I've got the power. I am the man behind the curtain. I could put users in timeout. I can block users. I can do whatever I want from this control panel, apparently. <laughs> and Mr. Herb Woodworks himself gracing us with his presence in the trap. Oh, man. Wish you were here, buddy. Yeah. No, you got Sorry. bigger and better things to do. Yeah. He's probably just sitting on the couch, drinking, mm. watching TV, having so a, side- nice, a nice warm item on his lap. <laughs> To sidetrack this a little bit, Will Balron said, I better see those solid numbers on Peloton now, Dan. So I'm assuming he added you. Yeah. So Will, me and Will follow each other on the ton, as the kids call it. Um, I looked on Will's account. He's a lot better at it than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am trying. I try and do like five a, five a week. Um, but yeah, he's. I'm trying. I really am. I did a boot camp today. But, uh, I try to give you motivation, man. I get I get your Apple Watch workouts. I try to make sure I pump you up, send a response every time I get one. You know, oh, I know yeah, it's man. hard. I know it's a lot harder for you to do that for me whenever you're getting 17 a day, but you know, <laughs> motivation however you can get it, right? I know I just get so inundated with your like, oh Kevin finished the workout. Oh, Kevin finished the workout. It's six o'clock in the morning and he's done twice <laughs> twice his calories for the day. Come on. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. You got to do what you got to do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. To that point. um, I am trying to run a hundred miles in July with my sister and brother-in-law to raise money for St. Jude's. If you go over to my Instagram at the architect, that's at the underscore ARC number one T E C T. You see the link in my bio to donate to that. If you are so inclined or the final stretch, down to the last couple of days i got a couple of big runs over the next couple of days but it's been uh it's been a lot of fun despite what my knees feel like so if i sponsor you and you don't do it do i get my money back <laughs> there's no sponsorship they've they've smartened up to those tactics it's just to donate <laughs> there's oh, no getting it back no. once it's gone it's gone uh, well, I was going to donate, but now no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Of course I'll donate. I didn't even realize. You probably said it before, but I wasn't in, wasn't listening. But No, absolutely. I wanted I to make donate. sure I got over the hump. I wanted to make sure I got to the final week before I really 
<laughs> spread the word. <laughs> oh man. Fantastic. So anyway, so you went to the game this past weekend. Yeah, I definitely agree. I don't think that there's near the amount of numbers that they're saying there are in the stadium right now. And kind of brings me to another point, which I, so I didn't watch, admittedly did not watch the Cincy game on Wednesday last week. And I did not watch the game this weekend live. I ended up watching it the next day, just had other stuff going on this weekend. And I'm wondering like, has anyone else like is Atlanta United must see TV for for the fan base anymore? Like, is it just for the drama and everything going on outside of the locker room, or is it actually what the result and the product that's on the field? Because I'm hard pressed to like make sure that I've cleared my schedule. I'm available, and I'm not saying that I'm walking away from Atlanta United. I, I watch every game aside from Cincinnati. Watch every game. It might not be live, but I might watch it later on that night or the next day. It's not so much this, I got to do it right now. I I can't. (laughs) So, man, I would say because I'm a fan, yeah, it, it is. I mean, I'm not like... I always will watch a replay. I feel like I'm pretty good at watching the games. I don't think I've missed any this season. But... um. To Wall Boron's point, the past two games, the soccer has been a lot. Oh, better. yes. Oh, absolutely. Especially this past weekend. Yeah. Absolutely. I, but I, I feel like as a as a fan, you know, if I support a team and I can watch them play, I'm always going to be watching them. I mean, that's the yeah. it's like on the weekend, like in the when the Premier League's going on, you know, you've got Man City or Man United going on or Liverpool, which are, you know, great games with these derbies. And it's like, yeah, I'll watch it. But my priority is Atlanta United because right, that's right. for me, that's the game of the weekend. You know, if I if I have to pick and choose what I'm gonna do during the day, I'm gonna kind of put my schedule around Atlanta United rather than yeah. rather than anything else. Yeah. Unless England's playing. I mean, um but that's I mean, that's I'm a fan. That's what I do. No, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So wherever I and I I mean I get excited when we play. I I enjoyed us i thought there were good spells under heinzer that i was really interested in even though we would lose the games or or draw them i'd still want to watch just to see what's going on but it does it does frustrate me when you when you put all this emotion in and don't get it and don't get anything out of it like i'm more interested i'm still interested in watching the games but i have noticed that i'm kind of like Maybe it's because I'm just getting old. I'm putting less and less emotion in and I've really lowered right. my expectations. Right. Just because, you know, if I put a ton of emotion in and we lose, I'm just, I'm not, I'm kind of cranky for the rest of the day. Right. And or that's not what know, my family needs. And I guess so. that's what I'm getting to, right? Like, do you watch the games with the same level of intensity that you did a couple of years ago? I mean, the core fan base of Atlanta United, I think is unchanged, right? Like it's that the core group of fans is still going to matches, still watching games live or as close to live as possible. Um, they're tuned into everything going on. They're, they're watching this show and the plethora of other podcasts that Atlanta United maintains five years into its tenure. But I still think that like I I'll catch myself like like you said watching a game just kind of passively watching it not really like 
just glued to it the entire time. You know, I don't plan my entire summer schedule around when matches are happening. Like if other things come up, I'm not like, oh, I've got the game this weekend. Like I can't do anything because of the game this weekend. Like I was a couple of years ago, you know, and it's not necessarily that. Like I said, I, I don't think it's anything about people's fan base waning, um, but to a broader extent, I think that what Tim and I were talking about was like, unfortunately, what that signals to me is that the more casual fan base isn't there anymore. And that oh, that's absolutely. what. Yeah. So it's like if the core fan base is waning, even to a slight extent, then the casual fan base has been lost. And that's something that I think that the core fan base has been reticent to acknowledge, which is that Atlanta United is just another Atlanta sports team that's going to be just as fair weather as the rest of them. And it shows in the attendance and the ticket sales and what I'm assuming is going to be waning season ticket members going into next season. But we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I think from the point of view when you when you get older and you've got other responsibilities you're going to make it less of a priority if they're not playing as well, like to go, to go to the game. Cause going to the right. game, it, it requires, it's a whole day, basically. It's oh, a yeah. lot of energy. Um, it's a lot of money. If you're buying, you, you know, through a, a second party app because of all the fees and everything. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, do you want to spend that energy on that? Or do you want to do something that's, that's less energy? Cause it's a lot to get down there. Right. So, uh, I love all the supporters groups and all the supporters sections that um, provide that energetic atmosphere and the players just feed off it. The, the supporters oh, yeah. groups, that supporter section does an awful lot of heavy lifting. Um, but I guess it's, it's life situations. Can you, can you afford to do that with your time? Right. So I think that, that's great. And I hope those supporter sections keep on going on, you know, as people get older, as they age out, can more people come in and, and fill that? I feel like Atlanta's an up and coming city. We've got a, a lot of young people coming in um, to live and to work. Um, and can that be continued? Because if that starts to wane and there's not the same, like I was this weekend, they were fantastic. They were singing all the same chants. They put up a beautiful TIFO of the Mandalorian um so in, to me in that regard the supporters section hadn't changed they were still the same um yeah. but there's definitely a um um a waning of the casual fan absolutely how do i pin this oh there it goes uh well pal ron if you sit through this shit when we get back to dunking on teams by multiple goals it's going to feel so much better totally yeah. totally agree um and so kendrick kendrick brings up a good point which i, I knew this was going to come up um, Kevin, if we were still a top of the table team, would you still be as passionate about attending and watching live as you were at the start? I think a large portion, because I was one of the people last year that was just like you and Tim were, and we all sat here and had this conversation about Frank DeBoer and whether or not he should go and the results and being, you know, very understanding of a team that was, not performing at its best and certainly not even performing at the level that it was just a year prior, but still being just as passionate about watching every game and being captivated by 
what was happening week in and week out. To answer your question, Kendrick, I think what has changed maybe for me personally is all of the extracurricular shit that's taken place this year. Like I, I, I think that I've mentally had to try to get to this level of just wanting to watch what just watch the game and not have to keep up with all this other stuff. I feel like every week it's something else, right? Like it's a manager going or a player injured or not there, or, you know, a tactical change or a a player that should be there, but isn't, or, you know, a front uh, article coming out about the front office that upends and and makes everyone question what this team is at a, a fundamental level. And all of this stuff that it's like, even if the team was at the front, even if it was at the top of the table, I still feel like I'd have some sort of mental fatigue with just the drama that's been associated with this club this year in particular. Like last year was what it was. Everything was some, you know, Shakespearean event with COVID and everything else that was going on. But this year, my God, man, I like I said, I feel like every week it's something else. And it's just... I think it's a little draining at a certain point, you know? Yeah, I definitely think there's uh, there's a lack of FOMO now. Like before when we were, you know, even through 2019, there was a heavy FOMO um, vibe there. And I would be like, man, I got to... I got to stop doing what I'm doing. I got to turn on the game. I got to watch. I got to see yeah. what's happening. Like, yeah. as, and then, you know, as soon as Almiron would get on the ball and he would sprint away, there would just be something inside of you that would be like, yeah. Come right. on. Um, and that's not there. I mean, there were glimpses. I thought on Saturday of Moreno doing that. Cause there were a oh, few yeah. times where he got the ball and was like, okay, we've got some space now um, to run into. But I mean, he's just not as fast as, as Almiron. Uh, I'm not. I'm not expecting to him to be that way. But there was a glimmer of like, yes. oh, that's kind of what like, I, I just want to be excited about the play on the field. And this goes back to what everyone's talked about, right? Like, I want to see exciting mm-hmm. soccer, and that kind of overcomes the 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 Barco sliding into Vasquez's girlfriend's DMs or whatever the hell happened. You know, it was just like that was the stuff that we were dealing with a couple of years ago versus now, like I said, it's just these much bigger problems on a more regular basis that it just gets to be a little taxing and exhaustive. But overall I'm, I'm just as passionate about the club. And I think that the other aspects of it are what people mentioned too, which is that it's become such a challenge for so many people to watch the games. That's why I got, I mean, that's why I got cable. So I can watch the games, right? Like if I don't watch it live, I can still go back and watch it versus before it's like having to jump through those hoops with the VPNs and all that. Like if you don't catch it live, you're not going to see it. Like now I at least have the luxury. If I don't watch it the night of, I'll watch it the next day or watch it a couple hours later and just fast forward through halftime or whatever. Um, But it even trickles down to like the commentary, right? Like the, the Cincinnati match, like that's all, or not Cincinnati match, the the match that Heinze was fired after, which was, I guess, last weekend's match. I forget who that was off the top of my head. New England. New England. The entire commentary was just like, oh, my God, Heinze kept out Joseph. And what what, – Joseph means so much to this club. And Like, that's all all the commentary was for 90 minutes. Just like, I just want to watch the game, you know? Like, I don't want to have to mute this just to enjoy it. So, anyway, that said – 
think we've talked enough about everything other than the game and i should probably listen to my own <laughs> words and talk about the actual game um so to your point i think that the the performance that i saw on saturday um which is the only one that i can really speak to and i'd like to rewind a little bit and have you talk a little bit about cincinnati since i can't um much myself but as a talking point i think that the performance that we did see on the field Saturday and from what you're saying on Wednesday as well does look surprisingly better, all things considered. That's still including a, a lack of uh, key figures with players out with Gold Cup and international duty with Barco and a plethora of injuries throughout the roster. Um, the performance certainly does look a lot better Saturday. We obviously see the return of Joseph, which is one of those really, really key pieces, but he was not in Wednesday or was he? Um, one second. I'm pulling up the old match report here. Joseph was in, he got subbed in um, for Jackson Conway. Gotcha. Um, Gotcha. So yeah, he he came in. There was a whole thing of uh, Rob Valentino was on the sideline um, at halftime talking to um, the guys in the booth, and he was joking about saying, "Well, yeah, Joseph was assistant managing me with me on the sideline there, just figuring out like when's a good time to send him in." Um, and when they when they sent him in, he was he was pretty good. There was a few kind of disappointments. I feel like I think Conway kind of came back to earth. Uh, he had just uh, a really big opportunity um, to score in front of Amir, but instead he sort of mishit it, and I think it just went straight to the goalkeeper. It was an easy save, or he missed it. Um, and there were a couple of times where he just uh, like overran things, or just wasn't um, fully aware of how to get the to fix a broken play. Um, he wasn't. It, he just showed that he's got a lot of work to do, and he's a young kid. He's got a he he needs to have that time, um, and it, those experiences. But he it wasn't a great showing by him at all. But um, Marcelino Moreno, man, he was he was our um, I think he got man of the match that match on the Atlanta United side and against um, Columbus on the weekend. But he was great. I mean, he hit one off the post. Um, can play pretty well. It was just, oh, you gotta. We played great. Um, I would, it was, it was entertaining. Um, a lot like this weekend's game. Um, we played some really good stuff on the wings, and it was nice seeing them attack through the middle and be able to play through the middle again because Heinz was all about putting it on the wing, and we just gave up the middle of the field. But now we're starting to get a lot more um, play in the middle. And you look at the heat maps, we're like basically taking over the entirety of the field. And it seems pretty even um, aside from when Moreno comes in, because he seems to be favoring the left side of the field a little bit more, even though he's more centrally. Um, I do like Moreno in the middle. He's been doing great the past few games. It's going to be interesting to see what Barco does. And I guess later we can talk about Almeida well, if that actually happens. But Well, we talked about that a couple weeks back, right? Like I, I think I made the mm -hmm. point. Like, I just don't know what Heinz's strategy was for Barco and Moreno, both on the field at the same time. Like, I feel like that was a large part of both of their lack of success was that both of them were trying to do the same thing 
at the same time every time they were on the field together it seemed like to me um now that said it's taken moreno a couple of weeks it seems like not only since barco's absence but then also since the heinza uh relief that the team had gotten i guess that's been a little over a week ago now over the past couple of matches to kind of make that position his own and that sounds like what the foundation was laid in the Cincinnati game certainly carried over in the Columbus game and was definitely, excuse me, a standout for me as a player that seemed to finally start to come into his own a little bit. Again, another mm-hmm. small sample size. We said the same thing very early in the season during the CCL play, whenever he had standout performances then, and it waned a little bit a few weeks after that, but overall, He's still a very talented player and certainly has a a place to be on this roster as it is right now. Um, The big thing that I think this team still has to figure out and what I saw in the, in the um, game this past weekend was against Columbus was now with Joseph back into his role and clearly cementing himself as you know, a captain for all intents and purposes for everything that he did through the Heinze scandal, if you want to call it that the Heinze saga and his tenure with the team. Um, he's clearly got so much pull and, and is the main goal scoring engine for this team. But with his injury last year and lack of play last year, and still trying to get into the fold this year, I still don't think that the, the pieces he has around him have figured out how to get him on the end of the ball. And it, it started to peak out a little bit in that Columbus match. You know, Lennon has a crossover that he's just barely outside of range on, on the header. He has another ball that, uh, yeah. Machope heads back to him that he just glances off frame. I mean, that's, a, that's a really difficult shot. And that's two examples where he had to be perfect to, to make a, a, any sort of a decent opportunity off of that. But I think that that's sort of the next step that I'm hoping to see Moreno take is that distribution to Joseph in space to where he can get on the end of some of these. Because right now, that seems to be that last piece to get that that momentum going on the offensive side of the ball, at least. Yeah, I think Moreno's he's getting so close. He's been our best player the past two games. Um, the my concern is like getting Joseph up to speed. Yeah. Uh, he he's not been great the past two games which is fine he's had such a long layoff and dealt with COVID and all sorts of issues but uh it's it's the hope that he can get back to where we need him to be mm-hmm. um I'm not very confident that that's going to happen this uh this season but well I'm, I'm here to be proven wrong so but the team the team as a whole is not going to get to where it needs to be this season I feel like mm-hmm. like the amount of injuries this team has right now like I guess the one thing that I didn't see and, and correct me if I'm wrong, like Hosetu didn't seem like a real game changer in the middle for me this past weekend. Like he was fine, but mm-hmm. he, I mean, he was serviceable, but he wasn't a, a game changer for me in the middle. Um, you know, I feel like our midfield is just down to Sosa at this point, <laughs> you know, and then Moreno. <laughs> um the the wings you've got Lennon obviously uh back line you're pretty 
shored up back there once miles gets back and seems like franco's had pretty decent showings at least he seemed to do okay this past weekend but again there's so many pieces on the field for the remainder of this season that i I mean you're not gonna get Heinemann back you're not gonna get um i don't know for what ibarra's timeline is i haven't looked at that Um, yeah i think he's i think he's week to week gotcha but then I don't know when he comes back. Ibarra is kind of a question mark to me because I could easily, if he comes back in like a month, I could see either Sadich or Rosetto actually taking Ibarra's place. Mm. Like, uh, it, you know, how is Ibarra going to make it back into this team? Because Sadich has yeah. played not too bad. Rosetto's been, like you say, serviceable. Yeah, but I feel I like Sadich had a good showing against New England for sure. Absolutely. And um, I just kind of trying to think how much has Abara done to unseat them when he comes back? Because, I mean, he's a young kid um, coming back in there. And then is it bad timing with Rob Valentino if it starts working? You know, he's just assuming he's going to play the same guys and maybe give some Abara some time off the bench to work him back in. Um We'll we'll have to see. I think the the midfield is still uh, up for grabs, but it I feel is. like you know our back line is well. It's, I guess there's two directions. I want to go back to the Cincinnati game because there's a few things I want to clear yeah. up there. But our back to your point on the team, I feel like our back line. You know, getting Miles back, um, we've got a real solid back line, and then having Sosa and Moreno, that's a big part of the midfield spine that. Uh, is is a real decent, um, a real decent um, centerpiece to to build around. I feel well, especially like... frees up Sosa to to travel a little bit more forward. That you need him to be able to do that by having that back line being a sure lock um, in a yeah. way that it really hasn't been since they've been gone. It's been fine. Again, it's yeah. been serviceable like the rest of the team, but it hasn't been <laughs> it hasn't been what it was with with those guys back there. Well, that's the thing. I mean the the Acosta goal. I feel like they've 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 really done a, a exceedingly good job of they've let in two goals, and the Acosta goal was just that was that was a bit of a mistake on walks. I think he gets turned by Acosta, and Acosta just scores a beautiful curler, and then the goal on the weekend against Columbus was just. A, real scrappy shitty goal off a corner that that you know it's just a lack of focus but that's the thing if we have if we if we can convert our chances i mean we've had so many shots the past two games oh my god jake mulraney to start the game this weekend yeah like how do you miss that man and it brings me to another guy that i hate to i hate to nitpick because we know that he's obviously pretty young with the team and, and uh, a pretty recent acquisition out of the draft and Machop Chol, but he has, he had a really good opportunity this past weekend to kind of make an impact and just doesn't really come up with anything uh, of note. And I think he has that one opportunity that Joseph lays off to him that he just doesn't even put on frame. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's some of that's just youth. He's going to need, need time and development like Brittany S says, but um, he's, he, he needs, he needs some of that stuff to be able to be a real threat on the front end that we don't have beside 
Joseph, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, our shots like Sosa got a shot in, said Rosetto. Moreno had four this weekend. We had 19 shots to Columbus's 10. Yeah. And they're the ones, of course, who got the goal. And I'd be willing to bet that since the Philly game, that's probably the most shots that Atlanta United has had this season, which says a little something. Well, if you watch the FC Cincinnati game, we had 22 shots. Holy shit, man. So that was, to was, that one, that was Conway with four, Moreno with four, Mulraney with wow. four. Um, so, I mean, and they also, you know, we put nine on target. And now that's, that's fantastic. Cause that's the other thing. It's like, I think it was the Nashville game. Maybe that we put a bunch. I can't remember if it was Nashville or Philly, but we had something like 16 or 18 shots, but I think it was only two that were actually on call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something like that. It's, it's just, it was really frustrating. I mean, we, we should have won both games. I feel like we had a, we had a good opportunity to, to win both of them. Um, but going back to Cincinnati, it's just there's two things I want to talk about. The first one is Tori Penso did a phenomenal job. Um, I didn't I didn't realize how many female center refs that we have. I didn't even realize, quite frankly, that we had any female center refs in MLS. That's partly my ignorance of not looking it up and finding it out. But she did a really good job. Um, she only laid out, I believe it was like five total yellow cards and she let the game play like and it was interesting the guy they they the players would come and to argue with her and then she would immediately just like squash the situation it was it was really <laughs> good to do but the really the um unfortunately the 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 really terrible um situation that happened in the match was um Luciano Acosta's simulated head injury on Santiago Sosa. I don't know. If oh, I heard that. about that. Yeah. You, you need to look at it. It's, it's just awful. It's, it's, uh, it's, I think what was it? Um, Rubinho from Brazil when he got, he was taking a corner, someone kicked the ball at him, it hit him in the legs. So he grabbed his face and started crawling around. Right. Him. Right. It was the same thing. So Luciano Acosta goes, goes up to Sosa, initiates contact. And Sosa like just brings his arm up around, doesn't make any sort of contact. doesn't do it in a swift motion or anything. He's just kind of moving out of Acosta's way. And Acosta glances over at him, grabs his face, and just collapses down onto the floor. <laughs> Absolutely graceful behavior. I cannot, I cannot stand it. Uh, yeah. Apparently in, in cultures some cultures I heard that that's, you know, he's trying to do everything to win the game, but I I just cannot be a proponent of that sort of behavior if there's no repercussion for it. And then like five minutes later, he puts in an amazing goal. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> talk about, ridiculous. like we were talking about before the casual fan, right? Like that's always the, that's always the people that don't watch soccer that's always their first response as to why they don't watch soccer. It's like, oh, it's just a bunch of people rolling around on the ground and screaming whenever somebody, you know, just barely touches them because of things like that. The Neymar, you know, incidences of which there are many, you know, it's, it's shit like that that just gives the game some level of lack of respect or, or integrity that I don't think, 
you know, I, I get the time wasting. I mean, as much as it can be um, overutilized in some degree, like I get it as a tactic and it being a part of the game, but something sure. like that, that's so egregious, unnecessary and, and uncalled for, particularly when it, it doesn't result in anything except for that calling the integrity of not only the player, but the sport into question. I just, I can't, I can't wrap my head around it whatsoever. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of it at all. And um, you know, England players have done, you know, like diving. There's plenty of English oh, yeah. players who are guilty of that. Uh, and I'm sure there's some who have done the same thing, but the, as a cost is done. But I just, it's disgusting. I cannot stand it. it <laughs> Kendrick it's... Brock, they do watch LeBron in the NBA, though. I, agree. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's there in any sport, there's something like that, right? Like there's gonna be somebody that's gonna milk it or. Or mm-hmm. play it up for the camera so to speak but it's just whenever it's that's one player versus the many that seem to come out of the world of soccer i mean it's just it doesn't help anybody you know no, in my ab- absolutely not no not at all but um yep played great in cincinnati and fortunately we couldn't get that uh Vermeer, their goalkeeper just had an absolute blinder he made some terrific saves but then a lot of shots were taken straight at him um and it's the same symptom of frustration for me anyway that went into columbus so in we've been having a lot of shots but against columbus i feel like it was more of i think moreno shots they were just i think they had good xg but just the quality of the shot was awful oh it wasn't like putting a laces through it it was a more a finesse side-footed shot and they would just end up being straight at the keeper it was like on the um the lopez break where he's streaming down the the field and gets through and managed he's one-on-one with uh with room and he just hits it straight at the keeper and you you got to think when you see a lot of these um goals go in from in really good players they they go this is going to be a pretty ob, really an obvious um comment but they hit the ball so it stays away from the goalkeeper right if you're just blasting at the keeper you know your odds of success are going to go down and i wonder you know we talked about joseph's penalty taking and there was a talk of that when he would be making the leap he still hadn't made the decision of which way he was going to go. And when he made the leap, he was able to mentally think, okay, this is what the goalkeepers do. I'm going to go that way. To me, that is absolutely incredible, um, fast thinking. And I know that's something that I will never achieve. And I wonder if, if that's actually true, the players do the best players when it's, when they're at a full sprint, are they picking where in the goal that they're going to take their shot so it goes in or a most or are like you know a hundred percent of them just hitting hopes and it just happens to come off and go into i don't know man i mean you hear so much about the best players in the world that the game slows down for them right like i I, Mm -hmm. i've got to think that in the moment that those players that are at the top top tier they're in some sort of flow state so to speak that every little movement and reaction by the keeper is, is just this sort of 
game within a game at just within milliseconds, right? Like that every, Mm -hmm. every little Twitch, like you're talking about with Joseph, right? Like there's, there's so little time that it seems unfathomable for somebody to make an adjustment in the middle of the air and come down and not only put the ball on frame, but put it on frame with pace to so the keeper doesn't get up and be able to recover back to the other side. Like there's, I, I think that the best players in the world in any sport that the game has to slow down in some sense, and they have to have the wherewithal to put it, to put it opposite post. Like that's, that's one of the fundamentals in shooting that you learn at the most basic level. Like you learn that almost day one, whenever you're shooting on goal is to always put it opposite side of the keeper. Um, you, <laughs> to that point, Brittany S mentioned, uh, one of the shots that Moreno did have with some pace, which was that curler that he had that, yeah. I mean, was just a, a fingertip save there. But overall, I, I agree. I think that the the shot taking in the Columbus game was, you know, it left, it left something to be desired when it even took place. There was a lot of times where it was, again, it was back to the same kind of comments that we would have about players week over week and Barco especially is like just shoot the damn ball already right. stop trying to be so damn cute at the top of the 18 it's not one of those 3v3 games where it's like you got to have five touches before you take a shot on goal like just if you've got it in space take the shot you know eventually something's gonna you know you get a you get a rebound you get a second chance on it or something but in a lot of those spaces, you know, it's a heads up play with a one touch to settle and and it's a wide open shot on goal that they're just not taking. And I'd like to see a little bit more of that. Like if you're going to, especially in those opportunities when they're just at the top of the 18 or just inside the top of the 18 dead straight on goal, like there's no reason not to be taking some sort of opportunity there. When right, the box absolutely. is as jammed up as it is, it's not like you're going to all of a sudden lay off and create acres of space within just a couple of yards right like there's there's just no sense in it right like turn into the goal and just take a shot like you trapping it laying it off back just two yards to the left at the top of the 18 with two defenders now closing in doesn't create more space for the shot all of a sudden you know it just doesn't make any sense to me yeah it drives it drives me nuts but i mean that's what we you know we talked about that was it 17 or 18 where we would have tons of shots and we just weren't getting the goals and uh but and we were like finish finish your chances that, yeah. that's what's going to happen yeah. but you know as i guess as long as we're getting these opportunities and building these opportunities that the goals will eventually come it's just you know the 2020 season frank de boer pity martinez covid heinzer the the hopes and expectations and then the the drop from Heinzer, the not scoring Joseph's COVID Gold Cup Olympic injury injury injury, injury 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 leading le- leading leading <laughs> ending in a draw leading then ending in a draw <laughs> haven't haven't won I don't think we've won a game it was it's ten games nine games nine, nine or games. ten games it's yeah there's a there's a lot of frustration so it's like we're picking picking things apart and the guys just need to play have time and eventually we'll score so so speaking of being able to win a game um i know that we're gonna talk about it but um whenever we get the dan load 
But um, we got the odds for the Orlando City match this past weekend. I'm, I'm wondering if you care to wager what you think it is. This is coming from Sports Betting Dime. Dot com. They they provided the odds to us directly so that we can talk to it. So these are exclusive odds, just to us. We got this is insider trading, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't really understand how it works, but I think Orlando's the favorite by yes. two goals. Well, I don't have goals. I have these weird numbers, right? <laughs> Nobody <laughs> ever knows what it means. That Orlando City is minus Let's... 110. Atlanta United is plus 280. Is that, What does that mean again? Can somebody, exp- can, can somebody explain that to me? I think that's better than like plus 500. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think so. Okay. If you wanted to bet the underdog Orlando to win the game, their money line odds are plus 280. Whenever a plus is listed for odds, the number after it is how much you will win for betting $100. So in this example, uh, a $100 bet would win $280 if Orlando or if Atlanta won the match. So, okay. Okay. So then in that case, so then Orlando is minus a hundred, so you would have to minus one ten. So how does that work? If they're minus one ten, I gotta bet two hundred to win a hundred, basically. Yeah. If Orlando wins. Yeah, so I guess if you bet a hundred, you're only gonna get like fifty or fifty-five dollars back on your hundred. That said. Atlanta United are big underdogs. Uh, 280 point underdogs going into the match. A draw is just just slightly better odds at 200 at 285 points to uh, to have a draw as an outcome. Man, it is a good thing that I am not good at betting and don't know the rules because I would lose a lot of money okay so kendrick said you have to bet 110 to win 100 okay so that makes sense now got it oh that got it got it got it good job kendrick you filthy degenerate you (laughs) i don't know anything about betting i know i'm not very good at it i'm also not very good at lying so i'm not being in poker anytime i'm not either but that's i mean all right so let me let me put it a different way again we're still gonna do score predictions oh and to go back a little bit, did you guys did you guys put my score prediction? I didn't get to listen back to the last episode to hear what you guys' were for the Cincy and Columbus matches. All I remember from the last podcast that I replayed is Tim cut out my singing at the end. So that was that was kind of a gut brutal. punch. I promise not to do that to you. Thanks. Well, I know that I at least got one point for the Columbus match because I called a three nil Columbus win there and I did not get anything for the Cincy match. I'll go back and listen to hear what you guys had for the um Cincy and Columbus match. Also to go back, which I didn't get to brag last time, I was the only one that got the point for the New England match because I called the New England win there. So Hold you on. guys are following. So I just had to put in my eye roll. <laughs> that said if you had a hundred bucks, would you put it on Atlanta to win? No. <laughs> to win $280, would you do? No. no. <laughs> but this no. is an Orlando team coming off of a 5-0 loss. 
Does that um, change anything for you? That's yeah, but it was also like Orlando B team and Pedro Galese who was who was playing. So I mean, they just had some awful, awful errors. Um, I mean, I think so. Pereira was playing. Sonny Michelle was just terrible. Yuri Rossell and Carlos Antonio and Galese were the only guys who are their regular starters. Uh, they just rested a whole bunch of guys. They put on Ruan towards the end. Uh, Jansen came on and Mortino came on to just try and shore things up, but it it didn't have much of an effect at all. And I think sometimes you just got to eat one. Uh, Pedro Galese, for a team that got beat 5-0, he's still got a rating on surface score of 7.1. He was the highest rated player on their team, which says something about... Um, just how porous the defense was. He, they had 23 shots, NYCFC did, to Orlando's five. They had 15 shots on target, which means just they had in, incredible time to be able to just put it on frame. Um, and they hit the woodwork once. So it was just a just a really crappy performance all around by Orlando City. Uh, apart from Galese, he... He played really well. Apparently, I heard he got like an injury towards the end of the game. So I'm hoping that uh, I think he's their backup guy is called Austin or something like that. But it's not going to matter because if it's Galassi, he's a really good keeper. So he's going to play well. And if it's their backup, it's the Atlanta thing to um, give a backup goalkeeper their career game, which is very frustrating. But Orlando are coming off. They have one win in their past five games, three losses and a draw. Um, they've had a the Dan load, the Dan load, the Dan load. Thanks, thanks, Kev. They've kind of cooled off from their form. They're lying, they're, they're not six, they're six overall, but they're like third in the table, but they got 25 points and only a plus four goal difference. We well, it was a plus nine. The prior week, but of course, when you get beat five nil, it gets uh, gets reduced quite a bit. They're also they're playing at home, so I feel like you know, I think we've yet to lose there. Um, we're undefeated at Exploria Camping World Stadium, so there's a little bit of hope there. Uh, and we, I feel like, despite the loss, it the loss and the draw, we've hit a better run of form and we always get up to play orlando when it's not the year 2020 so i feel like with joseph being in the lineup the way he is right now you've got to expect something fun to come out of this match right absolutely the thing is nanny's gonna be back in there luckily we're dodging a bullet with uh with dk still in the um in the gold cup so he's going to be facing Cutter on Thursday, so True. he won't be available to come back. Um, so they're going to ha- be playing. So there was some talk that they were kind of resting guys for the for the game against us just because they want to give us their best shot. Uh, so I fully expect Mueller to be back. Pierre is going to be back in the middle. I think he was out for with a suspension. Um, I keep wanting to say Sony Michelle, but it's Benji Michelle. He's had an awful two games. I think he rated below six in the past two games. He's been terrible. So if we can hit that right that right flank with Jake Mulraney and um, 
whoever we've got on left. I don't know if we put Mikey up there or who do we play on the left? Why can I not remember this? Uh, was it Hernandez over there? It was Hernandez. And Hernandez has been playing pretty well. Um, so we could easily maybe find some to way to see that's a weak point through there but maybe they can shift over that way and maybe give us a little bit more space somewhere else that we can get some more shots on goal but uh mr octopus is you know he's gonna be on point um kind of i don't know i could see i could see us winning this game um but i'm gonna so you're go gonna put a hundred about you're gonna put a hundred bucks down on it i am hearing dan's gonna dan is gonna take his money and he's gonna go online and put I'm it not where his mouth is. Confident to put a monkey on it. That's sportsbettingdime.com. Um, sportsbettingdime.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm not. I'm not gonna bet on it. I just. I can't do that. Uh, yeah, I think it's. So what are you? What are you, be, what are you? What's your I'll score? I'll be pleased prediction? if we come out with a draw. I think my score prediction's gonna be. Uh, I can't even say it. It's probably going to be a 1-1 draw. All right. I was leaning towards 1-1. Ultimately, I landed on 2-1 Orlando, but I do think Joseph gets his comeback goal in that game. Uh, Who do you think gets the one goal for Atlanta? Uh, Moreno. And who who do you think draws? Uh, Probably... Probably not. So who gets one and who gets one? <laughs> Probably not. I was either going to go one one or two one Orlando, and I think I'm just yeah. going to go one one. I'm going to yeah. be positive. <laughs> there you go. I like it. I like it. We need some positivity here. Uh, yep. So going over to uh, score predictions in the trap. Let's see here. Um, Brittany S one one draw. Uh, I don't see a win coming. Michelle three one. Joseph gets a hat trick. Um, Chiefs coach Steve, I predict the sleeper will awake and Joseph will go nuts on oh fuck you Orlando. Um, Kendrick Brock, did they purposely lose to NYCFC so they can shit on us? Next level rivalry right there. Yep. Uh, I want Joseph a brace, but I'm being realistic. Brittany S says in just 100, two one good guys. Um. Let's see, are there any more? Kendrick, 2-0 with Daddy giving Orlando two spankings. Got to win at some point. I agree, man. I, I mean, Atlanta certainly has to win at some point, like just the odds and the way the game goes. I just think that Orlando just isn't going to be that team. For all the points that you mentioned, Dan, like it, it, with the even without – DK being back, I think they've got too much talent and there's still too many question marks for this Atlanta team, um, particularly on the defensive side of ball of the ball, which looks a little shaky and nobody that's really standing out to create consistent chances on the offensive side of the ball. I still think that it's possible. I just don't, I don't see it happening this weekend. I'm not, I'm not as confident that it happens against Orlando. Just, I think that they have a bounce back game after that five nil loss. And, um, and especially with it being at home for them, I yeah. just, I just don't feel good going into this game uh, coming out with a win. At least I think best case draw, worst case loss personally is just kind of where I'm thinking right now. A draw is a win right now for this team. Let's be honest. I mean, that's <laughs> the only points this team's been able to get this season. So we're just going to count it as a win at this point. So talking about, 
that draws, do you still see us as creeping into the playoffs? Yeah. I think that... I think we'll be the seventh position. (laughs) I think that's the best that we can do. And... I the thing is, if we just do draws, there's no way we're going to make it. We got to turn some of these into wins. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like the if we keep on playing the way we have, so we've got to kind of change up a, a bit because teams just you know it's easy to defend us. Teams just sit, sit deep, just like uh, Columbus pretty much did, and then try and hit you uh, hit you on the counter or, or or take advantage of an error. So there's there's hope in me if we continue this way. Obviously, we're getting the chances in the past two games. So there's got to be some way that we can we can eventually convert some of those, and that will turn into wins. But I think the best case for us is like seventh, like you're saying. And I will be I will be surprised if we make that. The realist in me says we don't make the playoffs. I mean, we've still got some, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the remaining games. Like, we play Cincinnati twice. We've got, um, let's see here. we got DC United in there twice. Um, Toronto's in there three times down the stretch. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, you... again, these are teams that are all also below the playoff line. You know, Montreal is in there a handful of times. Um, so, again, it's not like the remainder of our season is against the upper end of the East. Like, we do have a couple that you can go ahead and write off as losses. Like, we, we're not going to be LAFC, I don't think. Um, you know, maybe we pull out one win against Orlando. I think it's more likely to be the September 10th game team, maybe find some rhythm and maybe you get some pieces back in the lineup. Um, again, I'm just talking out of the side of my neck here. We've also got inner Miami again this season. Uh, you've got Philly. It looks like once. So, and then you've got Columbus, uh, another game as well. So again, with those matchups and where those other teams are sitting right now in the lineup, like you've got Inter Miami, I think I just saw, saw twice. I can't remember if it was once or twice. Yeah, you got Inter Miami mm-hmm. twice, who they're at the bottom of the table, right? Like you would expect to get both of those games. Expect I I I expect them to beat the shit out of Inter Miami. Like you can't, you cannot not win those games. I mean, that's still a few weeks from now. Those th- that is going to be rock bottom for this team. If this team doesn't come away with wins <laughs> against inner Miami, in my opinion, like everything else you've been able to write off for one reason or another, but not being able to beat this inner Miami team is going to just destroy this team's confidence in any sort of plausibility as being a playoff contender this season, but the back half of your season, 90% of it is against teams either on the cutoff line or below it for playoffs. You know, it's it's not that many games that you've got to play against the likes of New England, Nashville, Orlando, and Philly, which are the teams that I would, and, you know, Columbus, you maybe throw them in there. They're sitting at fifth. They're, you know, at 24 points. It's They're 10 points ahead of us. They're, they, I mean, they didn't play 
phenomenal against us. They had some decent opportunities. I think that some of that comes from just situational awareness with our back line and the players that are normally in there to stop that in a one-on-one situation aren't there. I still think that like walks makes a great one-on-one play with uh, I forget who that was running into the box. You know, I think the defensive side of the ball is still okay right now, but again, some of those situations don't come up with the back half of our season. I mean, I could see us, potentially making a run and maybe we sneak into where Montreal sitting at right now. Uh, I mean, two of those games are against Montreal. So there's a, what is that? A, a 12 point spread, so to speak, you know? So there's that. So that's not for nothing. Um, same thing with our matches against who else was that? Uh, NYCFC. Looks like we've got one, just one match against them. So, you know, that's a six-point game, but not as much. I think, again, I think the Montreal or the Montreal-Atlanta flip-flop is the one to watch here because Atlanta's got a lot of matches coming down the stretch here that could catapult them above Montreal in particular. Yeah, I just think, so we've got 19 games left. Um, I think we win best case half of them. And that gives us, that will put us at like 38 points. And I, I mean, depending on how, obviously how everything else shakes out, uh, I, that might be enough to sneak us in, but it also, I feel like, I'm right now. I'm at sixty percent. We don't forty percent. We sneak into that last place. But as things go, so I was going to say, like maybe the flip side of this is looking at Montreal's schedule. Like I just said that I think Montreal can that that would be the one that we maybe jump based on our schedule. But looking at theirs, same deal, right? Like they've got to play us. Um, They've got Nashville just once. It looks like they've got to play Nashville, Orlando. Um, New England, they've got their Western Conference is uh, Houston, who I don't think is doing really great right now. They're sitting at ninth. So, again, it's it's fairly comparable. They don't have any real gimme games down the stretch with the exception of if you want to i mean they've got one match against inner miami and then they've got one against chicago but those are their two games that you could see them picking up the rest of them are all you know kind of middle of the table matches and then the games that they've got against us so i think yeah. that'll be the that'll be the one to watch to see if montreal slides and atlanta goes on a run atlanta's still got a lot of work to do we're sitting eight points behind them right now so we basically need to we're win. waiting for others to fail that's what we're <laughs> that's what we uh our hope is that yeah. the top teams in the table will fail yeah yeah um, um so lastly um miles robinson had a great game against jamaica and i feel like we've got to mention at least a little bit of what your thoughts are on u.s men's national team going into the quarterfinals now right sorry can you repeat that kevin (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, so Miles Robin, yes, and yes, you go into the quarterfinals playing um, Cutter. Yeah. Uh, Miles played, yeah, he played great last night. Part of me, part of me is like, yeah, but it was against Jamaica. Yeah. And Jamaica played Suriname, lost to Costa Rica, I believe. And they beat Suriname 2 1. And then they played someone else and didn't, I mean, it wasn't like a blowout game. It was a 1 or 2 1. Semis, not quarters. Sorry. Yes, you're right. Um, to you, sorry. So I turned on the game. And so Andre Blake was playing in goal for Jamaica. And I feel like even though this isn't the first choice US team, we've still got a lot of guys in there who are, you know, pretty good, like up and coming. It's like, man, I feel like the US need to be doing a lot better. Yeah. I mean, I think they'll get through Qatar. I'd be really, if they don't get through Qatar, I'll be very, very surprised. Yeah. Um, though that means Miles Robinson and Guzan are coming back. So, and Bello will be coming back. So, that'd be great. True. Um, but then it's like, I feel like the, the match of the tournament is the other side of the table between Mexico and Canada. I feel like that that's going to be really interesting. That's definitely the better matchup to watch and it'll it'll have the biggest implications into the final cuz you like you said mm-hmm. I think that uh US is all but a sure bet at this point. Um we don't have to talk too much about it because one thing that we didn't talk about that seems to be again adding to the plethora of things that I've had to pay attention to at least even passively is the Almeida discussions ongoing um reporting that he may be a new acquisition for atlanta united what are your thoughts on that um i'm not sure if this is actually going to happen it seemed like during the at the end of yesterday the beginning of today um the reports that if things were going well there was just a few things to sort out but then it kind of comes up that there have been improved offers so Atlanta United have made a formal offer. I think they made that yesterday. I think it was because Merlo dropped a bomb saying they'd made an offer. Um, and then, um, but then there was a report that came out that he prefers to work in, to go to Europe and not any other peripheral leagues. So that I feel like, the the other offer is from Marseille, and mm. uh, Ligue 1 has had a ton of financial troubles. So there's a lot of talk there, like, well, can they actually afford to bring him in? Um, and also, I'm trying to figure out how Atlanta United are actually going to, how they've been afford to pay him, because... Because um, you got to buy down Sosa, right? Well, or not Sosa, so, but Franco. Well, Felipe Cardenas reported that he's not going to be a DP. If he comes in, he's going to be in the U22 initiative, which is fantastic. But then his salary is capped at $612,500. So, and someone, if we're going to be paying, you know, transfer markets rating him at 20 million. So someone like that at that transfer price should be commanding a a larger salary budget than that. So I don't see how it works in the U22 initiative. I could see us paying down Franco and having him as another young DP 
But other than that, and I guess it doesn't matter because there's ways that we can do it. It's just how we do it, it which right. is the question. But then it's there's, um, I think, seen the speculation on Twitter that maybe it's like a 30 to 20% chance that he actually comes to Atlanta because maybe that, because, you know, with Moises Caicedo, we came in, we were the higher offer, probably potentially maybe able to pay him more. Uh, but he still went to Brighton and then went on loan to some Belgian team and is not did not factor into the team at all at Brighton for that season. So I think it makes more sense at, that he he comes to MLS. I feel like he would get um, a better, more, um, he's going to get more opportunity for paying time because if he comes in, I mean, he's he's a starter. I don't know if he's in. He's a starter in Marseille. He's probably still going to have to fight for a uh, position. Do you there. think that that acquisition changes your perception on whether or not Atlanta is above or below the playoff line, and how significantly does a player, one player, maybe make in that trajectory for the team? So there's talk about. There's a lot of talk that Moreno, Barco, and Almeida are all tens. Uh, and then if I guess if you're looking at the true, Ugh. a traditional ten is like you know you kind of stay center your playmaker or creativity. But then if you look at Moreno, if you look at his heat maps, he's all over the yeah. all over the shop. And same with Barco, pretty much right. he does the same thing. So there's an argument in there that they could all play together, whereas either you've got either just the front three of just those three guys and they all just interchange and do whatever they want. Or there's a way that you put Joseph, maybe play Almeida as a second striker um, and then have Barco or, and then have Moreno sit deeper and Barco sitting up behind, um, behind Almeida or play him on the wing. Or you can just do Barco on the wing uh, Almeida on the other wing, and then um, Moreno in the middle. Yeah. So I think there's ways that they can play together, obviously, and we're not going to know until it actually happens. But with but my frustration with Barco is he kind of always he seems like he just wants to play. It's like the other team and then him, and yeah. he just doesn't seem to integrate this enough. But, you know, maybe Almeida integrates better. Maybe it helps Barco. Maybe we do become go on a storm with that one acquisition yeah so. no, that makes sense all right um anything else before we wrap things up here on cincinnati orlando upcoming or on the columbus game this past weekend how are you feeling about rob valentino uh so far you know it's I'm not hearing anything bad, so not hearing something is good for me at this point to the point I made earlier. Um, so far, again, I think the team has been doing good over the past two games, at least the one that I've seen. So um, we'll see where it goes, man. I mean, stranger things have happened, right? Interim coaches being made into head coaches after a short tenure as that interim coach, if he buys it, if he gets the locker room, I mean, that's what just happened with the Hawks. They just had a huge run, you know, stranger things have happened. If he can get this team back on track, get the team motivated, get them happy and excited to play again. Who knows, man, who knows what'll happen, but so far seems to be hungry for it. Seems to be at least involved and, and wanting to do the right thing with the team. Um, 
you know, it's, it's kind of like these interim coaches are in kind of the best position for employment possible because they're not expected to come out and win everything. And if they lose everything, well, they were just the interim coach, right? Like, it's not like they can do that bad, honestly, even if they do bad, nobody's really going to give a shit because they were just the interim coach anyway. So like they have an opportunity to really make a difference and do something. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I've been happy with him so far. I don't think he's going to be the solution to the I, Yeah, I, I don't um, I don't know, but who knows anymore, right? Like, it depends on if yeah. this front office is even here next year at this rate. I mean, if he makes us, like, if Rob Valentine, like, I was trying to think, well, what, what, what would have to happen for me to think, okay, Rob's the guy. I feel like we need to get to like an Eastern Conference final or something, which is not happening. How so. fucking crazy would that be, though, man? Like, how oh, crazy would that be? I'd love it. I'd love it. All right. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Be sure to go give Tim all the love you can, whether it's on the show page at Home Before Dark, that's before spelled B in the number four, or at his personal Twitter at Tim Herb. That's his name. Um, you can follow Dan mostly on peloton these days where can they find you at you can find me at dnjms or to the power down on peloton follow come ride a bike with me and will baron <laughs> you find me as well at the architect that's at the underscore arc number one t-e-c-t thank you guys so much hopefully this hasn't been too bad in tim's absence we can't wait to have him back here um we i assure you i miss him more than any of you guys do uh, but that said, Dan, it was awesome to do uh, a show with just the two of us, man. It's been a oh, while absolutely. since we've done one of those. So, um, absolutely. So, thanks for putting up with me. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, showing out. However, you found us, be sure to like and subscribe. Hit that thumbs up, bell icon, stars, whatever they got. Do it. Leave a rating, a review here at Red Aloud on the show, whatever it may be. Love the hell out of each and every one of you. We'll see you next time. As always be home before dark let's go on safari shoot us some lions and then stick their heads up on the wall (laughs) (laughs) she said boy come on and take my hand